this year is for people who will be staying here for Pesach and they want to know how to get their kitchen ready for Pesach. But obviously, if you're not here, so then it's not like, yeah, you're not using your kitchen. If you're going to be at your parents' house, then you can help them get their kitchen ready for Pesach. If you're going to be at your in-laws' house, you're going to keep out of the kitchen, so it's not like, yeah, right? But wherever, if it's not practical, this year, maybe for a different year, what's the way to prepare a kitchen for Pesach? And without extra chumras. In other words, a lot of extra chumras which people do to cover Pesach. Uh, if that's your family minhag and you have extra time, there's nothing wrong with doing that. But that's all about what a person has to do. Okay, so then again, we're going to divide it into three uh, different halakim, halakha. The one is regarding the surfaces of the kitchen itself, whether it's the countertops, whether it's the sinks, whether it's the walls, right, or the closets, because that's something which, unless you have a Pesach kitchen or you're just redoing your house, now you're going to be using the regular, what you use the whole year, you're going to be using for Pesach as well. The second thing I'm going to talk about is appliances, which is to fridge, freezer, oven, microwave, stove top, hot plate, kettle, whatever it is, toaster, that's a practical Pesach, for all the appliances in the kitchen, right, and what to, what to do about them. And the third thing we'll talk about is kale. Kale, which means dishes, silverware, that kind of thing. Now, okay, so let's start with the areas of the kitchen first. That's the most nogel and maise. So what are we worried about? Two things. The first thing worried about is mamashas of hummus, which is still there, because like we said, even if it's less than a shear of a kazais, and therefore there's no problem multiple your by your matzah, but since the kitchen is the area used for food, then when there is any uh, amount, even a very small amount of hummus which has been left behind, right, there's a possibility of it going into the food you're eating, hummus is no brittle for, and therefore it's going to be a problem on Pesach. That's the first problem, and therefore our Ica issue is to make sure that the places which we're going to be using on Pesach are properly clean. There's no mamoshos, no crumbs, nothing which could land up inside the food that I want to prepare on Pesach. Number one. Number two, even though these things aren't conventional kalim, but they're still surfaces, and every surface is by layer, and if that's the case, there will be bleas in the countertops, in the backsplash, in the sink, in the tap, or in all these places, because over the course of a year, when a person's always handling hot food, there will be things which spill, there will be things which are hot which he puts down in the gush, and therefore a person will, if he wants to use the same areas in Pesach, has to worry about the dinner of Blias. There's an extra fumra in Pesach, which you don't have the whole year. You learn that the Shach and the Taz both bring down, that there's no problem of kavush during the year on Basa B'chalif. And the reason is, is because if the liquid stays somewhere for 24 hours, it's in order to absorb the time, the flavor, from the clay that it's in, or from the surface that it's on, in that same 24 hours, is going to render any taste a time pogum. It's already a stale taste, and therefore we don't have a problem. Because time pogum isn't oyster the whole year round, except with Pesach, because Pesach will be machmer and time pogum. And therefore, we don't have to just worry about places where there were bliss of heat, we also have to worry about kovush. Because the time which goes in, even if it's going to, it will take 24 hours to get it out again, and the time will be pogum, but if it's a time pogum of chomets, we're going to have a problem. Okay. Do people, do people use... Um, their surfaces, let's say, for hot things. And as, is there a real problem of bleas in these areas? Definitely yes. Definitely yes. The person doesn't always think about it, but the so when you take something hot, uh, food, we're talking about chametz. So it doesn't have to be something like a piece of meat. We're talking about a khala. You warm up the khala in the oven, you put it down on the countertop, right? It has bleas. It's like anything hot would do. Same thing if something spills, which has chametz in it. You're making soup with lakshan, whatever it is, and some of it spills, you're in clearation, there'll be bleas there as well. And therefore, the problem with countertops and and the walls and whatever it is is the place that they're going to be there. What do we do about this? So we all know we have to be machshirt. 
And the way to be master something is Kabbalah Kachbalta, which means the same way it went in. That's why we're taking it out. Okay. Now, the simplest answer, because when we're talking about you know, how to catch the surfaces and things, it's a little bit complicated. We'll explain why in a moment. But the simplest answer is, the truth is, I don't really need to do that. I don't really need to do that. I can leave my surfaces uncashered as long as I cover them properly with two layers. Why two layers? Or one thick layer. And the reason for that is, is because bleas don't travel through a different key without moisture. The general rule we have in all halakha, we've seen this many times, is that there's no uh, transfer of taste from key to key if the area between them is dry. And therefore, as long as I've covered my surfaces with something, then the food, which is on top of the surface, and the countertop, which is beneath the surface, aren't speaking to each other. There's something in between which is preventing them coming into contact. The problem just is, is being as it's the kitchen, there are liquids, and some liquid could get underneath whatever I covered my countertop with. And if that's the case, it's going to be a medium to connect whatever's underneath in the countertop to whatever's on top of it. And therefore, one of, one of three aces. Ace number one is whatever I'm using on the countertop, seal it down well enough that nothing that gets air tight, that seal waterproof underneath, nothing's going to get underneath. Ace number two is use something very thick, which doesn't transfer time. Because if that's the case, even if there would be liquid underneath, it won't get to my food, which is on the top. And ace number three is use more than one level. Because even if you choshesh, the liquid's going to get in between, it'll get in between maybe the countertop and the first level. But if you get in between two levels, it's not going to do. And then you'll have a clean, a clean, once again, I've made this break where the clear won't transfer. So what are my options? The option number one, if I use uh, polystyrene sheeting, what they call in this country, kalkal, so like quite thick stuff that they package things in, right? That's very good. Number one is heat resistance. So therefore, there's no problem putting pots down directly on it. Number two, it's very thick. And therefore, it's going to be more than a thick paper. And therefore, even if there would be a liquid which gets in between that and the counter, it's not going to get the full way through the, 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 the layer of polystyrene. It's not going to get to my pot. So, yes, they have places that sell this. It's pretty thick. So if you go to a hardware store to sell the stuff, you buy the thick styrofoam. It's very hard to apply, no? It's not hard at all. It's the easiest thing to apply. You measure your counters exactly. They'll cut it to shape. And it fits exactly onto your countertop. And that's perfect. Because that's then you don't have to work. That's not meant to absorb. It's not waterproof. But even if water gets underneath it, like I said, it's very thick. So the, the, you're not going to have a, the clip of attaching anything on top of it from underneath it. You only need one layer? So something like that. If it's a thick one, you only need one layer. Okay. Second option is people like to use various kinds of plastic or tabletop material, the thick plastic, whatever it is. Now, the problem with plastic is it's not that thick, and therefore, if you're going to use plastic, either you're going to have to seal it very well, you have to get a very good sealer to put it around that nothing no, no liquid can get underneath, or you're going to have to use two layers of plastic. But the second answer people like to use is... really ever something? The other option people use is silver foil. Um, even though that's traditionally the Pesach look, everything like sparkling silver foil, halakhically it's the hardest one to use. It's the hardest one to use. Number one, silver foil is not thick. It's very thin. Anka Dekach Rabbi Yashif held that one layer of silver foil doesn't even prevent bleas because it's less than the shear of a clay clipper. So he held the Chathchili, you're going to need more than one layer just to stop the bleas of a clay clipper because otherwise it's not thick enough for that. Number two, it tears easily. Right? And therefore, even if I lay it nicely for Pesach, I just put a pot in it and pull the pot, it's going to rip the silver foil underneath it. Right. And number three, if you're going to use a very thick silver foil, it's extremely dangerous. I don't think I've had a year without people coming with shaders and yomtas if they can go stitching because the ends of the, the thick silver foil is like a knife. 
and people always cut themselves in Erefesach or Nelbdikas Chomets, and it's, it's, uh, it's not recommended practically to use the. the, the it's hard to apply, it's hard to stick it down, it doesn't. Sellotape or scotch, it doesn't hold in silver foil. Right? You can't lay it exactly the shape you want because the ends come up again. And therefore, if you want the, the silver foil look, you can paint the, like, across the walls at the back of silver foil, no problem with that. But as a counter, it's a very difficult thing to work with, so to make it halachically good as a counter. But anyway, the point is, if you don't want to cut the counters, which sometimes isn't practical, or sometimes it's very difficult to do, you can cover them with two layers of any kind of uh, table, plastic or tablecloth material, or one thick layer of polystyrene or styrofoam, or anything else you want to use, which is going to either prevent the water getting underneath it, and is more than the sheer of but then I don't have to worry about bleas from the counter coming up. Two thin layers are fine, meaning two little plastic cubicles on top of, of the counter. It's We're fine. talking about a thick tablecloth, not the thin ones like that. Uh-huh. Right. Like, uh, uh, yeah, if you double it, even if you double it, well, if you, if you do double it, it's sealed well, it'll be okay. Yeah. Right. And that is sometimes people use, want to use wooden boards if you have them cut to the right shape. Again, that's fine. Even though wood absorbs liquid, but the man said something thick enough that, if the, we that it's not going to get the bleer into the wood, through the wood, into the food on the other side. So the person covers the surface as well, he doesn't have to cut to them. Um, now, it's not just referring to the surface. The, the we call the tiling behind the surface, around the sides. The person has to deal with that as well. But the reason is that food splashes there also. Things can spoil there also. Or what's more, what's more likely to be halakhic, a bigger problem, is if a person puts a pot down on the counter, but too far back, the side of the pot is touching the wall. If either of them are wet, so they're going to be bleas going from the pot directly into the wall. And if that's the case, the person would do that on Pesach as well, this bleas will come back out again. And therefore, the same reason, either person should cash the wall, which is not always easy to do, at least cover it. At least cover it. Zayas, that's a problem. Zayas goes up, not sideways. So I'm going to get to the next. I'm going to get to that next. So the same thing. I need something a bit thicker. A bit thicker, and then or two layers of tinfoil, and then it will be okay. The problem with tinfoil mainly is that water gets underneath on the wall, I don't have to worry about that. So if it's covered, that's okay. Now, the last place to worry about in my counters is the, the cabinets on top. So the first look at the, cab- the bottom of the, the, bottom of the, of the cabinets on top of my counters, the first look at always is make sure there's no food there. Make sure there's no food there because that's something people often overlook, think, checking it. If there's real food there, it's in the prime position to fall into whatever food's underneath it. So the first thing is they have to clean it to make sure there's no food there. Now, whether there's going to be a problem of Zaya depends how low my cabinets are. That, as you learned in Halacha, the din of Zaya is only a case where it's still hot, and therefore it'll be belay time. The mamashas which condenses there, I'm going to clean. Do I have to worry about Zaya going up and the heat of the Zaya being a problem? Depends how high my counters are off my surface. And therefore, if my counters are high off my surface, by the time the Zaya gets there, it's not going to be hot anymore, which, unless I have extremely big pots or a very small kitchen, normally is the case. Right? Then I don't have to worry about the Zaya, I just have to worry about make sure it's clean. Yeah, I'll Put your hand on top of your pot. Boil water. Put your hand on the counter, level the counter, and see if it's still hot. And see, if it's still hot when it gets to your hand, then yes, you have a problem of there. If it's not hot, which is I'm saying, often the case, then, then the problem would just be the mamoshas which gets stuck there, but there won't be a problem of there. Inside the shaila, the people have to cover the floor. Now, let's talk about the floor. Okay? The emiss is not. Right? The ikka problem on the floor is food, and therefore you have to wash the floor very well. Or, a lot of people have the minak, if food falls on the floor in Pesach, you don't need it. Because you're too choshish, there might be comments which someone brought in with their shoes, whatever the case is, 
And therefore, a lot of people have found hugger that something falls on the floor and then has unwrapped food and fall on the floor. You want to eat on Pesach because there's a chashash. It might have picked up whatever was on the floor. And now, the shayla is, what about this? So, matter how long it's on the floor for? Sorry? Even if you take out straight away? Sorry? So I would say in a normal house, there's no bliss on the floor. Even if things spill, right? It's not the clearest in a certain place, and it's not like I, I want it to be there, that it's going to be something I have to be close to. Right, except there are people, and this is what I said, the shayla, who they always use their floor as a countertop. Uh, how do I get the shayla? When I went to a certain person's house, and they showed me that the two you know, tiles next to the oven, this one's the meat tile, and this one's the milk tile. They would never take out the oven meat, they put on this tile, they take out the oven milk, they put on that tile. So if that's what they're doing in Pesach also, then the floor has a dinner of the counter. If that's okay, so they're going to have to cover this tile blue and that tile green, or whatever it is, so that they know they're for Pesach, but they're not going to use the tiles which are good at. But normally when people don't do that, they don't think put them directly on the floor, and if that's the case, you don't have to worry about uh, the bliss on the floor. Let's go to the second option. If a person wants to cash the surfaces, he doesn't like the idea of covering them, he wants to cash them, it's the more difficult option, but if you want to do it, you can, on three conditions. Number one, you have a cashable surface. Right. We've gone through this every year with the manufacturers and different examples. Right. There are surfaces which are not cashable. And if they're not cashable, then you're going to have to rely on the ATSA of covering. Right. So firstly, what are cashable surfaces? The first cashable surface is real granite or real marble. Real granite or real marble is stone. It's a very easy surface to cache. It's heat resistant, and therefore it's cashable. We're going to explain how to do it in a few minutes. That's fine. Right. What most Israeli homes have, unless you have a like, really fancy up that house, is what they call in this country uh, Kesar, Granite Kesar or Shayish Kesar, which basically what that means is they've taken marble, they've crushed it into little like sh- sh- shavings of stone, like shattered tiny bits of stone, and then they use a very strong glue, which they bake into, into make it into a, uh, like one unit, and that's them, your countertop is glue with little, with little bits of stone inside it. The way you can tell shayish kesara as opposed to regular shayish is have a look at it. If you see lots, lots of little bits of different colors in the counter, that's the glue. But if you see one steady color, which, which doesn't change the whole way through, there's no, you don't see any granulation inside the stone, it's like one color of stone, then it's a real shayish. Now, shayish kesara, we've gone through this with lots of post-skim, year after year, because that's what most people have, halakhically is not really cashable. You, you can't cash a glue. It's just like Ramosha said about plastics and whatever it is, that there's some substances we don't know what, what they blow and how they blow and how you get the bliss out of them. So, case I would fall into this category also. There's going to be a second problem also. And that is when you're going to talk about how to kasher it, uh, Kesar is not, it, it, it tends to crack when it's kasher properly. So, that's another reason why people won't do it. And therefore, if a person has Kesar, like I said, the best is, is to cover it. If they have an, um, enamel, Countertops, which is basically a white, like a plastic coating of a chipboard, <coughs> it doesn't do well with being kashif. You pour boiling water over it, the chipboard swells up, and the enamel cracks. And therefore, it's very hard to. I mean, you can do it. You can do it. It might work, but uh, you're going to ruin it. It doesn't doesn't it doesn't survive kashering. And the last one is if you have a wooden countertop. So wood is kasherable, but wood is very hard to clean because you have to make sure that there's not like like in areas in the surface of the wood where anything could get into. And therefore, like I said, if you have either steel, like metal, like in, like in industrial institutions where they have metal counters, or you have real stone counters, it's easy to cash Other things are very hard to cash or potentially uncashable. Um, Sorry? 
Should you just cover it or should you cash it anyways? If you want to cash it anyway, you can. Just don't do it. You don't need it anymore. Once you're covering properly, you don't need it. If you want to pour boiling water over it, just say that. It'll half help. It won't help the whole way. We'll talk about that. If you want to, you can. So, which I mentioned is cashable and glass. If you have glass countertops or glass overlay on the countertop, then that glass is cashable. Okay, now, what's the way you have to cash it? So, firstly, what's the problem? What are you worried about? Right? So it's, it's the only problem you're worried about is things spilling from pots, right? That would be easy because then it's just the eerie of a clearation. And area of clearation has to get cashed with the area of clearation. So I could boil water, I'd pour it over the countertop, and it would cash the countertop. Except it needs a little bit of finesse, right, in how you do it. Because the rule of cashing is that the stream of water has to hit the surface. And if it's going to be a pool of water and I'm pouring more boiling water onto existing water, then it's going to cool down before it hits the surface underneath it. And therefore, you're not cashing anything. And therefore, the way to cash surfaces is you have to be quick, right? And you have to position in such a way that I'm always pouring the water in a place where it's hitting the surface of the counter and not hitting the water which is accumulating there, right? The way to do that is very simple. You, you work backwards, and you have to move, and you have to pour more quickly than the water tends to move as it expands. So, if I, so instead of trying to go up and down, up and down the whole time, you work in strips, up and, uh, pull the kettle or whatever it is back with you as you, pot, as you pour, and therefore the water which is hitting each point is coming directly from the pot before the water which is now pulled, so to speak, moves backwards and touches the same area. Obviously you have to pay attention to where it's, where it's, where, how much of the counter you've actually touched each time, and then make sure, dry it, make sure the next area is dry, take all the water out of the way, and then you can touch the next area. So really? it's possible to do. What would be if my only problem would be um, eerie? How big of an area do you see it gets cut? The problem is double gush. Because people put hot chametz down as well. Either intentionally, like I said, they'll put a hot kugel uh, or something like that, which is chametz on the surface, or accidentally, which chametz falls out of the pot. So we have what the example of using macaroni before. If I'm actually spitting out macaroni and some of it falls out of the spoon or the ladle and ends on the counter, so now I have a double gush. A dava gush needs to be kashrut with a dava gush, right? Because it's hotter than the area is. So this is when the Mishabura brings a few times in the halacha of how to kash the surfaces, the din of Evel Melubon, which means you heat up a stone. You heat up a stone, and now this is a dava gush, it's a stone, which is hot. I move that along the counter with the water, and the it has added heat, besides the area of the clearation of a dava, of a dava gush, also, which means my Evel Melubon. How do you get... It has to be just above it, so it keeps the heat to the water. Either it touches the counter, or I can pour the, the water over the double gush so it attaches the, the, that heat when, as it hits the counter. How do you, now, this, this needs a little bit of skill. How do you get that little bit first? What do you do? Right? The idea of heating up a brick, uh, which is what they meant then, Evan is not very practical today. And the reason for that is it takes a long time to heat up bricks, and they're hard to work with, they're too heavy. And besides which, they cool down again too quickly. And therefore, the best ever melubin today, that is, you'll be surprised, but it actually works the best, what we call a paint scraper. If you ever go to a hardware store, and you see these, like, these very wide metal things that they use to scrape paint, it's like very, th- it has a nice handle, as it's like a thin metal base, which is thing it's a thin metal, but it's solid, it's a, so it'll be a, and it heats up very fast, because it's a thin metal. If you put that on your gas for a few seconds, it'll get hot. Very hot because it's metal. Right? You have a nice handle, so you have a way to hold it. You don't have to try to pick it up with the tongs like a little stones. And now that's my middle of it. Now, the next part of the operation you need two people for. 
if you're going to do kasha with the Evan Benoven, you need one person to hold it, the second person to hold the kettle, which is boiling, and they work together. As he pours the kettle, he moves back the Evan Benoven, so the water is always touching the surface of the Evan Benoven as it touches the counter. And now I've, I've kashed it with a Dover Gush as well. How right? long does that thing stay? How long does it long? doesn't start for very long. I'm going to have to keep reheating it again, just like I'm going to have to keep refilling the kettle. Right. You test it by touching it. You have this idea of using an iron. Right, so you pour boiling water and you have an electric iron because it's the surface which gets hot, the oven, the iron tends to explode. Right, when if someone pours the water wrong and it gets into the element, then the iron blows up. Very, very not recommended. Um, this would apply to people's dining tables as well. Right, if people serve directly from the hot pan and shabbos or from the stove to the table, right, then you have to wear the same kashash. Right, maybe something that hot touch the table. Now, again, to use the oven on a wood surface doesn't go very well. And therefore, the eight that everybody has for the dining room table is you cover it twice. Again, the same reason, because the first cover might not be thick enough. And that's what's the minute in every Jewish home. You cover the table, you put a second table on top of that, and I don't have to cash the table, because now it's been double covered, and I don't have to worry about anything. Ready, if, if as counters go, like we said, the different options, the floor, other tables, the area behind the table. Now let's talk about the sinks. Now, again, people think, what's the big deal about the sink? Right? When I wash up, I only use, I'm only using plates from the table, so why would I have to crush the sink? It's not just to clean it well, right? It's not so pushed. If anybody makes, let's say, a pasta or something like that, and you pour water, boiling water from the pot directly into the sink, so then you have this mamish of iri, of a clear with chametz on your sink, right? And therefore, there would be a problem of iri in the sink also. And now you're going to ask me the question, what's the problem on Pesach? I'm not eating off my sink. So like I said, the problem on Pesach is the problem of uh, the, the fact that it's there for, for 24 hours, and therefore the dinner of um, what the will absorb flavor after 24 hours, like everything which is which is shari for 24 hours, and therefore, if on Yamza, let's say I put my dishes in the sink with a bit of water, so then there's water which is extant in the sink for a long enough period of time for it to be to draw out the bliss at some stage from the chomus which is in the sink, like we said on Pesach, the fact that it's present time of come and it's not a fresh taste anymore doesn't make a difference to Mahmur also. And therefore, a person has to cash in the sink, the sink's easier to cash in, whether it's a porcelain sink. Or it's, which is a problem with Klicheres, we'll talk about that next. But if you have a metal sink, right, or a stainless steel sink, stainless steel is very easy to kasha. Again, same idea. I just have to pour boiling water. If I'm conscious that maybe a food fell out of my pot into the sink and I have a double kush, I'll have to use my oven open again. The idea, the only thing you have to be aware of with the sink is the same thing as we did before. And as I'm pouring the water, it has to go into an area which is dry. And if I'm pouring from the sides of the sink and, I go to the, and then I go to the middle, it's not going to help because once all the water is connected in the middle, I'm pouring onto water. So I'm not yet like that. And therefore the eight is work backwards. Even that's what people will think of doing, work backwards. Start in the middle and then work up the walls. Because then I'm, I'm always pouring onto an area which hasn't yet been wet with the water from there before. And you may not can cash it like that. You have to wait after 24 hours or not? No. Once I cash it, I'm going to take out all the bliss. So why do people do that? What? They wait 24 hours before. Before. They before. Before they cash it. Before they cash it. Right. This, one more point about the sink. If I have, if I don't want to cash in my sink, or I have a porcelain sink which is uncashable because it's cheres, but if that's the case, the best, the best aid so is to put it in the sink incest, which means you buy a plastic thing which fits into your sink, and then I don't have to worry about the sink because nothing is touching the sink. Two conditions. Number one is I find the strainer for the bottom of the inset. Because if I just buy the plastic sink to put into my other sink, and I don't put a strainer in, I'm going to lose knives and teaspoons and all these things which are going to fall through the hole and end up in the proper sink. And therefore, I have to make sure that if I have a sink instead of have something to stop cleaning going through it. Number one. Number two, don't use boiling water when you wash up. 
Because what's going to happen is the boiling water is going to get through the sink. It's going to rise to the level where it's now above the level of your sink, and you're going to get hot water touching the sides of the sides of your sink and within inside the sink at the same time. I don't want that to happen. And therefore, if I'm going to work with the sink inside, I have to use cold water. So then I don't have a problem with bliss from the walls of the sink while I'm busy doing while I'm busy using the sink. Has to be cold or just not hot? Not hot enough to be to be to How cause bliss. Yes, let us yeah. Not yes, let us so You can't wash your dishes with, with hot water. In a case like that, better than with hot water. Right. Okay, that's as far as the sink goes. What about the taps? What about the head of the sink, of the faucet? Okay, so these things, again, the, 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 the problem here is mamoshes. People touch the tap when their hands are dirty. You have to wash it very well. Clean it very well because if there's any residue, the people are using exactly the same tap on Pesach. If you want to cover it with a sink with a tap cover, that's okay. If you don't, wash it well. Make sure, because the problem is the mamoshes, which is there. The actual tap itself, that, again, uh, same problem as always. And that is, it could have been in contact with hot comets in the course of the year, especially if you're pouring water from hot pots into the sink. So I'll do area on that as well. I'll pour boiling water over it. Right there, it's hard. I don't normally have my love, normally I don't land because the actual food touching the top of my tap or on top of my faucet. The harsh of a point to remember is you have to ear it from the bottom also. You have to ear from the bottom, not just from the top, from the bottom also. So the way to do it is take a step back, make sure it's dry, and throw the water that it hits the, sink, the tap from the bottom. And we made it for Kasha that side also. One last point to this, right One last point to this. And that is, there are various people have this idea of having a cloth cover to put over the the, the, the whole associated faucet face up because then it's been covered, and, right? And then they don't have a problem of anything touching the faucet. You have to see what it's made out of. If it's made out of material, then it's also to use in Shabbos and Yantut because of the problem of Shriya. And therefore, it wouldn't help you so much. If it's made out of something synthetic completely, then maybe it would be an aidsa. But if you're making it out of material, and you're covering your whole tap, including the, the end of the tap, where the water comes out of, with a material cloth, and you're using it on Shabbos for Yom Tov, so now it's wetting the cloth with clean water. That would be a problem with Shriya. So therefore, it's better to cash it or use something synthetic and not something natural. Is this a also? 